Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right. Hey, great to see everybody. Come on. Hey, if I have not met you before, uh, my name is Samuel. And my wife, Becca, and I always have the absolute honor of serving you guys here at Life West. And it is great to see you guys. Sunday is definitely my favorite day of the week. I go to bed usually early on Saturday just because I'm like, I want Sunday to come a little bit faster. I love it. It is so good to see you guys. And congratulations. You are over halfway done with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Woo, come on. Come on, exciting. You know, when you fast, you really realize you spend a lot of time preparing and cleaning and doing food. Like food takes up a lot of the day. It's, it's pretty crazy. But before we jump into today's message, last week the youth got together for a youth night and they just had an amazing time. Over 50 students for a youth worship night and they had three salvations. Come on, let's give them an awesome hand for that. Love it, love it. So... Students have, on, on Sunday night, like there's, there's class going on right now for fifth grade and down, and then on Sunday night, sixth through eighth graders meet at Alice, um, which have an amazing relationship with the church there, and they're such a blessing to let us use that building. So that happens from six to eight for sixth to eighth graders, and then high schoolers have small groups that meet throughout the week. If you have a high schooler that's interested in that, you can head on the website and find those. But we also, for any students that are in here right now, we have a student questionnaire little guide thing that you guys can go through, and that's every single week. So you can either find it on the website or in the little packets on the seats in front of you. There's a long little skinny card there. You can fill that out, and then you get entered. If you turn it in, you get entered to win some cool prizes and things like that. But with that, this is week four of our Seek message series, and we really get that name from Matthew 6, 33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what we've been really just focusing on through these 21 days, uh, 14 of which are over. And if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm just getting started, hey, join us for these last seven days. Please don't feel like you're left out by any means. I would definitely encourage you to get online, listen to some of those messages from past, kind of catch up with what the Bible has to say, the benefits, and how to do it in the most practical and beneficial way. I mean, if you're going to do something, let's get the results from it. You know what I mean? Let's not just show up and not like do it poorly and be like, well, I didn't really change anything. Like, no, if we're going to do it, do it right. So I really encourage you to do that. But here's what I want to really bring. One of the things that I see that comes up to me so much in fasting is the fact that we are spirit, soul, and body. We're spirit, soul, and body. And that, that fact is established in 1 Thessalonians. One verse that does it simply is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I'm talking about all of it is you, all of you. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the day of the Lord comes. So spirit, soul, and body, that's you. And while we've been fasting, we've been telling our body it doesn't get what it wants. Like body, you don't get to drive all of the decisions, right? You, you, we're not doing it. And we do that very specifically. We've been doing that through food. Like, you don't get this. Uh, many of you have said, hey, I'm fasting social media. I'm fasting movies. I'm fasting. So you're telling your body you don't just get what you want. So we are, but you are a spirit. 
So fasting is not just not eating, it's not just denying our body, but it's feeding our spirit. So we're like, hey, that, which is why we spend time in God's word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in worship. We're feeding. We spend time praying in tongues because we're feeding our spirit because we want that to be the dominant force in our life, not our body telling us what to do, but our spirit. So that's the body. That's the spirit. But what about our soul? What is it that we do? How do we do that? Well, you have to remember this. You are a spirit. That, that is the you. Your body's the glove, the holder, the case that your spirit The real you is in. In fact, James 2 says it like this, talking about the role of body and spirit. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead. You die when your spirit leaves the body. Your body will not keep going if your spirit leaves. Because the real you is gone. You are a spirit. You have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. You live in a body. So when we get born again, when we become Christ followers, here's what the language is that is often used. It's what I just said. It's born again. And and here's where we find that. We find that in John chapter 3 because Jesus said it. Here's what he had to say describing what happens when we become Christ followers. He says, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, if, you're, if you've been around church and you hear born again, you know what it means. If you're not around church and Christians and kind of this Christianese language and you hear born again, you're like, they crazy. Somebody's a little cray cray. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Because you can't be born again. But here's what's born again. What's born again is your spirit. Because that's the, the real you is what's changed. You Unfortunately, if you were bald before you became a Christian, you're probably bald afterwards, okay? You may have blue eyes before, you have blue eyes afterwards. That part of you does not change. But here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Well, where's that new? I thought I was new. Your body's the same, but your spirit has been made new. Supernaturally, you, the real you, are new. You have been born again. And so now you're you're so new, you need to introduce yourself to yourself. You're new. So now what we need to do is then we have to, literally part of this introduction is what we do with our body. We have to renew our mind. You were made new. Not Not like fixed up. Not like we went and looked at this house one time, and this thing, Becca's like, I found our house. She showed me some pictures, and I'm like, oh, 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 yeah, that looks really, really good. So we go for a drive, we make the appointment, we get down there, and some other people thought that those pictures looked really good, too, because there was a lot of people in this house. But we walk in this house, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I think the best way to describe it would be somebody put lipstick on a pig, okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? So this, this is what I mean. The, the doors, the doors, um, they didn't latch. And I was like, did they, did they just not, like, did they forget a part? And I look at the door, uh, the, the frame of the door, and there's not even a hole for a latch to go in. They just took a piece of wood, put it up there, and then painted it. I'm like, well, that's, that's weird. And then I go out, and there was, a, there was a pool, and there's a fence around the pool, and I leaned up against the fence, and it just tipped over. 
And, and the rails started to fall out. So I was grabbing them and I was like, hey, kids, get back over. We had to, we had to put it back together. So the, the fence around the pool was just like, they, and, and I, I had to do it, right? I just absolutely had to know what was going on. So I pulled some of the bark back and they just stuck some sticks in the posts in the ground and then pushed dirt back over it. Everything was just like, if the wind blew, like it would just fall over, all over the house. I'm a little bit taller than most. Not, not, I'm not tall. I'm only 6'2". I'm not, I'm not really that tall. But I could see just high enough that I could see all the stuff that they painted the bottom of, but not the top of. And I'm like, oh my, oh my, oh my goodness. I'm like, no. And I'm like walking through this house and I'm just thinking, please, Becca, don't like it. Like, please, please see what I see. And she did. She saw what I saw. She's like, uh-uh. That's not what God does to us. He doesn't put lipstick on a pig. The real you is made new, but here's the thing. There's some more that needs to be done. There's more that needs to be done, and here's what we're talking about. Our minds need to be changed. That's our soul. Here's what it talks about in Ephesians 4.23. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. So we've been feeding our spirit. We're telling our body, no, you don't get to do whatever you want. We're going to be spirit-led. But then what we're meant to do to our minds is that they need to be renewed. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind is changing the way that your mind works, operates, thinks. The basis on which you make decisions needs to be altered. It's going to shift. We need to renew our minds. Luke 3 says this, 13.3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, unless you what? Change your old way of thinking. Turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives. That's the Amplified. I love the way that it says it. You got to change the way that you're thinking. We have to alter the way that we're thinking. We have to change our minds. The real us has already changed. That's your spirit on the inside. You've been feeding your spirit. Our minds, we have to change the way that we think. We renew our minds. Some of the ways that we do that, is by simply spending time in God's Word. We've been, we've been praying and fasting. Part of that is we spend time in God's Word. That is the standard for the way that we live. What it says I can do, I can do. What it says is right, is right. Absolutely, I want to be in there. We spend time in prayer. We go to church. We worship. We may read some books and listen to some podcasts and get teaching where we can because we want to know what God's Word says and how to apply that to our lives. That's one of the ways that we change the way that we are thinking. But can I say, and here's where I really want to go with today's message is this, it is incredibly hard to live a Christ-centered life when we surround ourselves with worldly-centered people. And here's what I want to talk about today. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says this, He who walks with the wise men will be wise but a companion of fools will be destroyed. I want to just talk about who it is you're hanging out with. We have to renew our mind. Now, here's what I'm not going to say, and here's what I'm not implying by any way, shape, or form. I do not believe that Christians should live in Christian bubbles. 
where it's like we all speak in King James because that's how we all jive. You know, that's just what we do. Hey, brother, um, where it's just you and I and we're Christians and we don't interact with anybody that's not. I am not saying that in the slightest. Jesus, we see, what do we see that Jesus did? Jesus spent so much time with tax collectors and sinners that the Pharisees came and they said, what is he doing? Why is he spending all this time with tax collectors and sinners? But in those situations, what we saw is he was calling them out of it. And his friends, his group, his, his tribe, the people that he would retreat back with, those were his followers, his disciples. We need, by all means, I hope you have some people in your life that are not Christ followers, people that you are sharing God's love with every way that you know how. Yet at the same time, we need you and I need a team of people that are helping us to be and do all that God's created us to be. First Corinthians says this. It says, bad company corrupts good morals. You're out there trying to live a Christ-centered life, and yet your friend group, the people that you're hanging out with, you get together and like, why are you spending so much time at church? We're all going over here. Why aren't you coming with us? You really shouldn't be going. You went last week. Why are you going again? You're like, hey, yep, I'm going to, got, I got this missions trips going on. Why, why would you go on a missions trip? You really ain't going to make a difference. It'll happen just as much without you. Come with us. This is what we're up to. It is incredibly difficult to live a Christ-centered life if we surround ourselves or are in our inner circle with a bunch of world-centered people. You will be constantly pulled away. And here's the thing. When it says... When it says in, in here that bad company corrupts good character, here's what that tells me. That tells me that we don't get to pick and choose what part of the people we spend time with affects us. It's not a buffet. Who loves buffets? Anybody, anybody like buffets out there? I love buffets. I love buffets. In college, that was, that was my, my absolute favorite. I would save up money, and there was this restaurant called CC's Pizza, and they had a, they had a buffet. Pizza buffet. And we would just go and, and then we'd go mountain biking and we'd just get all super hungry. And then we would go to CeCe's Pizza and just eat. And I love the buffet because you could just pick what you want and you just grab it and you would just eat, 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 eat. Now, I, 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 we would eat a lot of food, but I never got kicked out. I remember telling my dad what I would do, and he's like, did you ever get kicked out? And I go, no. He goes, well, then you haven't done a buffet right. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, in college, he goes, I got kicked out of the buffet. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, ask Doug. It was he and I. He goes, we got kicked out of the buffet. We ate so much food. They told us to leave. He says, we left, but then we went into the parking lot, and he goes, and we couldn't leave. We ate so much food. I'm like, what do you mean you couldn't leave? He goes, well, we rode motorcycles, and I couldn't sit on my motorcycle. I was so full, so we had to lay down and let some of that food digest so I could get on the motorcycle and we could drive home. So I like buffets, but I don't like them that much, Okay. But the thing about a buffet is you walk up to it and you pick and choose what it is you want. You're like, I want this, I want that. Can I say, our relationships, they don't do that. If bad company corrupts good morals, that means that we don't get to pick. We don't pick and choose what it's going to be. And often, the sad thing is, we don't even realize how it's affecting us. We don't even realize how it's affecting us. Many years ago, um, Becca had, a, had a, particular, a particular friend that she would spend time with, 
And whenever she would come back, uh, it was just, she was just a little different. Kind of the way I would describe it is she would come back and with an attitude towards men that was just like men are, are like, like towards men. I, I don't even know how else to really describe it. It, it was kind of subtle, but it took me a while, but I picked this up. I'm like, oh my goodness. Every time you spend time with this particular friend, and all they're doing is just, just stuff, right? They're going out running and going for walks and meeting at parks and doing stuff with kids and, and stuff and all, just, all, just doing stuff. But she would come back and she would just be like, toward, towards men. And specifically towards me. And I'm like, okay. Um, took me a while to figure it out, but I figured it out. And, and so one day she came back and I'm like, hey. Um, and, and again, she was... that. Just the shift in her attitude was there. And so I was like, hey, um, when, when you spend time with her, you come back and you're different and it's not good and you're, you're antagonistic towards me and just kind of men in general. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, it's true. And she's like, no, I don't think so. I don't see it. I don't see it. And I'm like, okay, I know you don't see it. I'm asking you not to spend any, I'm asking you to, to stop seeing this girl, stop being friends with her. I'm like, it's making a difference. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I'm asking you, I know you don't see it, but I'm asking you just to honor me as the head of the house. Trust me that I, just trust me on this and, and to stop. And, and for some people, that's not a big deal because I don't know how, how, how relational you are. Um, for Becca, She's very relational, and, and for her, she's like, well, what are they going to think? And I'm like, I don't know what that woman's going to think or not think, but please don't do that. And, and she honored me. She's like, I think you're wrong. I don't see it, but I'll honor you in that, and, and, and I'll, I'll step away from that relationship. And it was several months. It was several months later that she came, and she's like, I see it. I see you, you were right. I see it in the people that she hangs out with. I see it in their marriages, and I, I see that impact, and it's, it's coming back to, you, you were right. Um, we don't get to pick and choose, and so often we don't even know. We don't pick up on how they're impacting us, not nearly as quick as we should. Let me just say, if you're married, see, if you're married, the Bible says that the two become one, and that means that everything Everything is co-owned and co-administered, including relationships. Including, so here's what that means. If Becca says, hey, you're hanging out with so-and-so, and when you hang out with him, you come back, and your language, your attitude towards me or this, it's bad, it needs to stop, then that relationship is going to, I'll let that relationship die. Or she's like, it needs to be cut off. Then, then that's what it needs to be. Or even if she just says, you know what? I don't know what it is. She doesn't even have to have a reason. If she just says, I don't know what it is, but I, get, I, I don't like you hanging out with that I, I don't know what it is. I don't feel right about it. If she asks me not to, then that's my answer. I'm not going to invest in that relationship. It's, it's not going to happen. Because everything is co-owned. And because the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. So if you are married, then absolutely. Homework, on the way home, 
Maybe once you get home, you're like, maybe this needs to happen behind closed doors. I don't know. But you just say, hey, are there any relationships that I have that you have some red flags about? If everything is co-owned and everything is administered, and let's just be honest, we are the most blind to our own things. We are. We are the most blind. I can't see it. Bad breath? It don't bother me. Kiss me, baby. She's like, what in the world? Your breath is... She notices it. I don't. We need others. Our spouses, they see things before us. They see things that we do not see. They're there for a reason. God looked at man and said, it is not good for him to be alone. We need each other. You need your spouse. You might be blind to something. They're like, oh, yeah, I can tell you exactly who you need to stop hanging out with. Or, or. And there's other people. There's another friend that she would go and spend time with. And I've said this so many times. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, like, that, that particular friend's husband was just, like, lame or what. But she would come home, and she's like, you are great. And I'm like, I am. And she's like, yes, you are. And I'm like, really? She's like, I just, I'm so thankful for you. And she would, and I'm like, go spend more time with them. Please, absolutely. This is great. But it makes a difference. It really does. And for you to be and do all that God has called you to, let me just say this. You need to be around some people who are challenging you and lifting you up and calling out the good in you, calling out what they see that God has placed in you, and challenge you to take the steps and use the gift and talents that he's given you to build the kingdom of God. You need some people around you. And let me just say, there are very few, very few people who, if they're not asked, will tell you the things that they see that you need to change. There are very few, but there's also very few who won't tell you if you ask them. If you sit down with them and say, hey, we've known each other a while. I don't know that I've ever asked you, but I just want you to know that you have an open door. If you see that I'm not prioritizing God the way that I should, if you see that the fruit of my life is not what it should be, if you see that I'm prioritizing over family, if I'm not prioritizing God where God needs to be, if I'm prioritizing family over God, whatever you see, I want you to come and tell me. I want you to come and tell me. Please come and tell me. You know, the Bible says that the wounds from a friend can be trusted more than the kisses of an enemy. When it's talking about the wounds of a friend, it's because sometimes they, they're meant to come to us and be like, this might hurt. But you need to know this. What you're doing, it's, this is what I see, the way that you talk, the things that you say. You say you're a Christian, but look what you're doing when you're at work. Look what you're doing when you're not around those people. It doesn't tell the same story that I think you want your life to tell. And it can hurt. But the wounds of a friend can be trusted more than the kisses of an enemy. Other people might flatter you. But our relationships are meant to. So if you have some relationships, like, you know, I have people that might do that. Yeah, I've got some of those. Let me just ask, have you asked them to? Have you opened the door and said, hey, now or any other time, if you see something? I'm really fortunate to have um, a very godly father. A few years ago, several years ago now, I went to him. I've been married a few years. I'm like, hey, um, 
I know you're my dad, and this might seem kind of weird. I said, but you're st- we're still close. I said, I want you to know that if you see something, you're, you're my dad. I said, but you're also my pastor. I said, I want you to tell me. I said, if you see something I'm, I'm not doing right. And he goes, really? And I go, yep. And he goes, okay. And that was that. For about a year and a half. And then about a year, it was a year and a half, two years later, he goes, hey, remember when you told me? And I go, told you what? And he's like, remember when you told me that if I saw something that I needed to tell you? And I was like, yeah. He's like, is that still good? And I go, yeah. And he's like, sit down. <laughs> but he was my own dad. But he still wanted to double check before he kind of like stuck his nose back in where, what, what role do I have? What, what position? What, what should I do? And that's my own dad. If there's people in your life, man, get them. If you have relationships like that, that you're like, you know what? I would love if this person would. I'd love for them to talk to me. I'm going to say it again. Very few people, because here's the deal. Very few people are going to just randomly say it because advice that is not asked for is seldom heeded, whether right or wrong. Ask. Let me just encourage you, ask. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Bible of a man who was paralyzed. And Jesus had come to town. We don't have all of the ins and out details of what happened. But this paralyzed man, we'll call him Bob. Bob Bob had some friends. And his four friends, I'm assuming, heard what would happen. And so they're like, hey, Bob, we know what we're going to do. We're going to get you to Jesus. So they take Bob. He's on his mat. And they take his mat with him. And they carry him to Jesus. But when they get to where Jesus is, Jesus was actually preaching in a house. And they get there. And the problem is, when they show up, that so many people are in the house, they can't get in. And not, not only that, but they, they can't even like get to the door. There's people outside of the house trying to hear what Jesus is having to say. And so they're like, okay, but, but, but his four friends, they don't just turn around and walk away. They're like, wait a second. And they didn't just like, hey, we'll wait till he leaves. Like, we'll, we'll catch him. We'll just stay here. We'll camp out. No, he had some kind of like crazy friends. Anybody got a crazy friend? That just, they come around and you're like, we don't know what's going to happen. Okay, well, there was like at least one of them was crazy in this group because they're like, I know what we can do. Let's go up on the roof. And then the other ones are like, okay. So they go up on the roof of this house, and somehow, we don't know exactly how, but they figure out where Jesus is in the house. They find the corresponding spot on the house and begin to remove, break the roof of the house so they could get at Jesus. They're digging, like, hey, yeah, I want Jesus to come over, but leave my roof alone, please. Like, like, they wanted to get to Jesus, so they wreck somebody's house. They rip apart the roof and make an opening so that they can lower their friend down in front of Jesus. They, they're lowering him down. We don't know exactly how he does it, except that Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. So we're assuming that somehow they used his mat and got him down there. We don't know how high the ceiling was. And I I heard one preacher said, well, maybe they were lowering him down, and halfway down they realized they couldn't get him all the way down, so they just figured, he's already lame, drop him, boom! We don't know what's going to happen. We don't really know. But they get him 
in front of Jesus. And the first thing that Jesus does is he doesn't fix the issue that they want him to fix, but he does the most important thing, which this man has a salvation experience right there. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus says, and pick up your mat and walk. And the guy gets up, picks up his mat, and walks out. The thing I want you to realize from that story is this. Bob would have never been there without his four, and I'm going to call them his four faith friends. Bob wouldn't have been able to be there. Bob, I don't think Bob could have crawled to the house, and even if he did, I don't think Bob would have made it up on the roof. And even if he did, I don't know that Bob could have ripped all of the roof apart and lowered himself down. And here's what I know. Every one of us, there will be a day that we need. We need some crazy faith friends in our life because we can't get where we need to go. It will happen. There will be a day when we need help. And can I say that the time to find those crazy faith friends is not when you need them, it's now. It's before you need them. So that you can just call them up and be like, Brian, Jason, you just call these guys up. Eric, I need you. This is what's going on. They're like, we're there. And they come around you. Relationships matter. It is incredibly hard to live a Christ-centered life when the when the inner circle that we spend time with is all about the things of this world and they are not, have no interest in the things of God whatsoever. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to kick off another season of small groups. And we don't just do small groups because we think they're neat. They're neat. And we don't just do small groups because we think they're fun. They're fun. But we do small groups because they are strategic and they're a part of each and every one of us being and becoming all that God has called us to be and all that God has called us to do. We need to get around some people. Over and over, what did we see that the Christians did? We see if we look in Acts, we're like, okay, we got the church is starting. Jesus has gone to heaven. The apostles are there and they're preaching. And what do we see that happens? Acts 2, 41. It says, those who believed Peter, they were baptized and were added to the church that day. 3,000 were added in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to getting around some other believers. Again, this is not a Christian bubble that you live in, but it's an inner circle that you go to, that you are a part of, that, that, hey, we are building the kingdom of God together. We bounce ideas and strategies off of each other. We've had those conversations. Hey, if you see me shifting, if you see me just drifting to where I shouldn't be, I want you to call me out. We challenge each other. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We intentionally get around people, and then when we're around them, we create the circumstances where we're like, okay, we want this accountability. We want this growth to happen. So how are we going to do it? We come up with ways to measure it. We do what we can. I want you to be and do all that God has for you, and that's going to mean you need some great relationships in your life. So the way that we do small groups, it's not the end-all, beat-all. They're not. But it's an opportunity for you to get around some people, get around some people who are excited about the things of God, to get your kids around some other kids a little bit different. Small groups, if you're going to host a small group, maybe you open up your home. 
And it's, it'll be a little inconvenient because you'll probably clean it. I think most all of us want to clean it before somebody comes and sees it. Or maybe you're the one that's like, I ain't cleaning it, so let's go do small group at Big B. Go for it, whatever you want to do. But you take the thing that you love and you say, you know what? Let's, let's leverage it for the kingdom of God. Let's get together around something. Maybe, maybe that thing for you is, maybe, maybe it's lattes. And so you guys, you work on your latte art, and you do a latte art class, and you get, you get your swans going, and you get them down, and all of your, your doves, and all, all of you, you work it all out, and then you guys get together, and you pray, and you just say, hey, how are you guys doing? Is there anything going on in your life that we can be, be in prayer about or that you would need to share, would like to share today? And you just leave some room for God and the Holy Spirit to do some things. I know you've heard it before. So much more is caught than taught. Let's get around some people that we're just like, I, I want to, I don't know what it is, but I want to learn from them. I want to grow. Get around some people that are a little different. Might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but maybe that's exactly what you need. I've heard it before in, in workouts and bodybuilders and athletes alike, where they will shift and change their routine because they just want to shift it up. Because in order to get past where they are, they've got to shock their body. They've got to do something a little different. So they'll switch up the routine. They'll switch up the day. They'll switch up the time of day. They'll switch up the way that they're doing their workouts. Why? Because they just have to change it. And just that helps them to break barriers and go farther than they could before. They can run faster, lift more, swim farther, hold their breath better because they changed some things. They just, just shifted it. Maybe it's time for you to shift, just to change some things in your, in your relationships. And here's the deal. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take effort. It's going to take changing some of our calendars, shifting some things like, okay, I'm going to make some relationships more of a priority because I don't want to find myself in a point where I need some faith friends and they're not around. You might join a group or host a group and you might get in there and you might walk in and think, well, this isn't for me. Then find another one. That's okay. Or maybe you host a group. And again, a group can be just about, just about anything. For you, maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's just reading through some, some Bible together. Maybe it's knitting. Maybe it's making things. Axe throwing. I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's working on some cars and this and this and that. Maybe it's coupon clipping and figuring that out or shopping. And you're like, hey, what are we doing with what we've got? And how are, how are we building the kingdom? How are people doing today? And you pray together. And you create an environment. You say, God, just have your way. And you watch what God does in some of these relationships. And maybe the season ends, you know, our, our groups are usually somewhere between 8 and 12 weeks long that we do these small groups like once or twice a week. These, these, these groups will get together. And maybe at the end you walk away and you think, you know what, that was great. Or maybe you, you leave that group and at the end you're like, you know what, there was two or three couples or there was one other couple in there that there was one other person in that group that I would love to spend some more time with. Man, the way that they, that they looked at each other was just, that that couple looked at each other, the way that they orientate their life and the way that they're investing and giving into the kingdom of God, I, I, I want some more of that. And so you just be a little more intentional about spending some more time with them. One of my favorite things to do is to find old couples and ask them about their marriages. I love the ideas things that they have to say. 
how long have you guys been married? What is it that you guys do for fun? What is it that he does wrong? And you're just listening to him laugh and tell and talk about their stories and the hard times that they've went through and how they're stronger on the other side. And there's themes that show up in every single one of their stories. They've all gone through stuff. They all stuck it out. And they're all stronger on the other side. Get around some people who can challenge you to help you to be and do all that God has created you to. Relationships are important. Man, it makes such a difference. We don't get to pick and choose the things that we pick up from those that are around us. Let's get around some people who are a little further down the road than us, maybe a little bit different. Let's hear their faith stories and how God moved in their life. We see how God moved in their life when we realize He can do it for me too. God's not a respecter of person. Maybe we get challenged. Maybe for you the thing you need to do is just take an inventory of the relationships that you have and get rid of a few because you know they're not taking you where you need to go. And it doesn't mean that maybe some of them you don't need to talk to anymore. Maybe some of them you just got to say, you're not in the inner circle anymore. Maybe just limit some time. Ask your spouse. Say, hey, are there some relationships that you would red flag that I need to get rid of? You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in your body. We need to change the way that we're thinking, make it line up with the Word of God and get around some people that are going to help us to recognize where we're missing it, help us recognize where we're winning and how we can do it better and more and move forward into the things that God has for us. Because we know what God wants. He says, I know, what I, have. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is one of my favorite verses. I say it so often. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what he wants for every single one of us. But would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? We need to dismiss, but before we do, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I don't have a relation, the most important relationship. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you thought God was a distant, far-off thing. Maybe you thought one day you'll... You just find out if your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds. I don't know where you come from, but here's what God's word says, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you. And he does. He has a plan and a purpose to use you to make a difference in this world today. You hear you say, today's my day. I want to give my life to him. Or maybe today's the day that you just say, I go all in. I'm not going to tiptoe around anymore. I want to be all his. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. If that's you, then for me and God, would you just lift your hand right now? Just lift it high. Say, that's me, and today is my day. I'm giving my life and my heart to him. I'm going to leave no one where I stand and where I'm going in Jesus' name. All right. I see that hand. Let's put those hands down. Everybody and all together, would you, let's just repeat after me if you would. Let's pray this prayer. And those that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. Let's all pray. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'm going to serve you. I believe that you died 
that you shed your blood so that I could be free. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.